Dear friends in Christ, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. So Matthew starts our gospel reading with a time reference after six days. Now, this isn't just some inconsequential uh, time reference, like someone might write in their diary just a random fact, and then six days later. No, this, uh, after six days, is, is very intentional, and it ties us uh, to what happened six days earlier. So what did happen six days earlier? Well, six days earlier, uh, Peter just confessed to Jesus, You are the Christ the son of the living God. Peter is absolutely right. Home run, out of the park. But, like most people, Peter can only give so many right answers. Like, the advantage of being from the Midwest is more often than not, you keep your thoughts to yourself, so nobody knows what you're really thinking. So Peter knows the right words. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But either he doesn't know what those words really mean, or he's just unwilling to accept what they mean. Because right after uh, Peter's confession, Jesus starts to explicitly tell the disciples that he has to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and then uh, rise again. Three days later, uh, Peter does not like the suffering and death stuff. So Peter proclaims, this shall never happen to you. Which, which leads Jesus to give one of the harshest rebukes in the entire Bible. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your things, setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of God. Of man. And then, uh, in a little bit, Jesus says these famous words If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And so it's six days after. After these words, that Jesus takes uh, the three disciples up the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, the mountaintop experience is what makes life uh, really worth living. You don't have any, uh, you don't have any mountains around Howard Lake, uh, but if you traveled like to the Rockies and you've been on top of a mountain. You can see the world in its full beauty and splendor. Life's mountaintops pull back the humility, humility of life, and they show us how things really are. Now, these mountaintop experiences don't have to be a literal mountaintop. They, they can be figurative, like winning the Super Bowl, holding your child for the first time, uh, graduating from high school, college, or, or any institution, or, or getting married. These are all mountaintop experiences, and we wish we could stay there forever. But as great as those are, the Mount 
of transfiguration experience is unlike any of the previous ones. Now, Jesus was an average-looking guy. Like Pharaoh, who, who killed all the babies during Moses' time, Herod had to kill all the young baby boys because Jesus did not have an innate glow about him. Uh, Jesus or Judas had had to kiss Jesus to identify him because the soldiers couldn't pick him out of a lineup. But now, on the mountain, we see Jesus the way that he really is. For one moment, his humility is set aside. Peter, James, and John saw the glory of God shining right in front of them. Uh, Jesus' robe is brighter uh, than mine. His face was brighter than Moses' face when Moses saw God's backside. God's sun was as bright as the sun. And it was truly marvelous. And this is how Jesus actually was and is all the time. Jesus is a very God of very God, very light of very God, very light of very light, being of one substance with the Father. He has all of God's splendor and glory, and it's always been that way as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. And so on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus didn't really change, only his appearance did. As Peter confessed, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And now, uh, these select disciples got to see him in this glory that he shares with the Father. This was such a great event that some guests... Uh, showed up. Moses and Elijah. Now, why Moses and Elijah? Well, yes, they, they do represent the law and the prophets, but there's something more uh, going on here. Uh, mountaintops is where heaven meets earth, and if you go up one in the Old Testament, usually God will appear, and this happened to Moses and Elijah. Uh, Moses ascended Mount uh, Sinai, and God gave him the law there, and God uh, also appeared to him, and Moses saw his backside. Elijah uh, went up Mount Horeb, which is probably the same mountain as Mount Sinai, and God appeared to Elijah there in a, in a low whisper. So Moses and Elijah both had mountaintop experiences with God, but uh, their previous experiences don't even compare to the Mount of Transfiguration. Now before they did get to experience the glory of God, but now they were seeing God face to face in the person of Jesus. And of course, so Peter thinks this, this is absolutely stunning and amazing. He thinks that this is what Jesus was talking about uh, six days earlier. Remember Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Uh, P 
Peter thinks that he has hit the jackpot. He's, he's gotten rebuked by Jesus for uh, saying he doesn't have to go to the cross. But now it appears that Peter was right all along. It's like if I told you you had to do your memory work and then you showed up and I said, just kidding, you don't, you don't have to do that. It's, it's as if you got diagnosed with a certain disease and you went to go get operated on and the doctor said, just kidding, uh, you're fine. It was as if you didn't have to do the crummy parts of your job. Peter thought that Jesus did not have to die. Peter thought he could just stay on that mountain all his life and then put up some tents for his heroes. He could keep the glory in these three tabernacles and just do away with all the suffering. But as Luke tells us in his transfiguration account, uh, Peter did not know what he was saying. As awesome as the mountaintop experience is, we can't stay there. At least not in this life. The transfiguration is a preview, but God's real glory and true truest form will be seen on, on a different mountain. You cannot have Christ without suffering. You are baptized into Christ, which means that you are baptized into his suffering and his death. We don't get to bypass all the suffering for the glory. Christians suffer as they carry their own cross. And the devil and our sinful flesh, they're always tempting us to give up the cross. We suffer with sickness, sinful sexual desire, unwanted pregnancies, and, and so much more. If, if we don't suffer these specific things right now, I can almost guarantee that you know somebody who is struggling with these the temptation, though, like Peter's, is to deny Christ and give up our cross. The, tem- the temptation is to say uh, to yourself or to others, it's okay, live, live it up a little bit. Indulge in your, your sexual sin or get an abortion. No harm, no, no foul. But that is a blatant theology of glory where we try to bypass all the suffering for the glory. We want the mountaintop experience without the denying of our flesh. Christians have to carry their cross. Moses and Elijah, they couldn't stay on their mountains forever as much as they would have liked to. I'm sure Moses would have loved to just stay on top of Mount Sinai, to be in the presence with God. But he had to carry his own cross and confront the Israelites who just built a golden calf. I'm sure Elijah would have also loved to stay on top of the mountain with God. But he had to descend the mountain with his cross and anoint a new king. 
do some pretty uh, unpopular political things. And so on the Mount of Transfiguration, maybe uh, I think Peter finally realizes that Jesus would have to go to the cross and Peter would have to carry his own cross. We hear a voice. The Father, God the Father, says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. God is not mincing words. Jesus told you explicitly that he has to go to the cross and you have to carry your own. Now listen to him. As much as God's glory is revealed in the Mount of Transfiguration, God's true glory is revealed on Mount Calvary. Jesus is God's beloved Son because he bore the burden of death and drank the cup of wrath which God had given him. At the cross, angels were ascending and descending on the Son of Man because the cross is heaven. God's glory is fully revealed. That is, the greatest epiphany happens in the suffering of the cross. Jesus' blood is poured out, making an everlasting payment for your sins. As we descend the Mount of Transfiguration into the time of pre-Lent and Lent, let us carry our crosses with the Transfiguration in mind. We have to suffer and die with Christ in this life, but we too undergo a transfiguration. We get brief moments of this glory in our current life, such as when we are baptized and God says the same words to us, you are my beloved son, or when we eat and drink Christ's very body and blood that's veiled in the bread and the wine. God is already transfiguring our bodies as we eat and drink the Lord's Supper. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are being transfigured into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We have some of these transfiguration moments on earth, like when we look up from the communion rail and we see Jesus alone as he was the only thing that the disciples saw on the mountain. But the final transfiguration will happen on the last day, where we will be raised from the dead. The crosses that you bear today won't matter anymore, and our sufferings now aren't even worth comparing to the glory that we will receive on the last day. In the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. You are baptized into Christ's death, but you are also raised with Christ and transfigured with him. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.